Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. TBCF, we are in the building. We are in the building. Not only are we in the building here to worship and fellowship with one another, but it is also Pastor Appreciation Day, weekend, month, however you want to call it. We're here to honor our pastors, the shepherds of this house. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to have shepherds like we have that are willing to feed the flock of God, look after us, look after our eternal well-being, amen, by preaching the unadulterated word of God. Look, today is about celebrating them and thanking God and giving God honor for them for allowing us to have the leadership that we have. So today is their day off, and they're going to be fed the word of God. But listen, so, so in honoring our pastors and allowing them to have some relaxation and allow them to be blessed this morning, I need you guys to give God some praise for the man of God that God has blessed us with this morning that's going to deliver the word of God. So before, before I introduce him, I just need you guys to understand the, the caliber of, of, of messenger that we have in the house with us today. Okay, some, some circles he's known as B.O.B. the Baptist. In other circles, he's known as the Sanctified Savage from Sacramento. And in other circles, he's known as the monstrously meek minister from Bayside Church of Midtown, Pastor Bob Bellion. Can you, can you show some love? Put your hands together, long and strong, loud and proud and give God glory. Wow. Wow. Pastor Donald, thank you, brother. I appreciate you, man. You said that just the way I paid you to say that. That was awesome, man. You guys can have a seat. It is so, so amazing to be here. Pastor Kai, Pastor John, Love you guys. So glad. I'm so honored to be in the house, in the building today. When, when we first started our church in Sacramento, it was called the House. Um, and, and, and let me let me just brag on your pastor for a minute. Uh, I want to start off by saying again how honored I am to be here. Uh, I have an affinity for your pastor. Matter of fact, let's just keep it gangster. I have a man crush on your on your pastor. I, I really do. I do. Um, and, and and it goes beyond that. Uh, and your staff is so amazing, too. Pastor Donald, Raquel, uh, uh, Tony, Jackie, all the way down. Guys in the back, just they're all a representation of Pastor John and Pastor Kaya. Um, they represent how loving you are. They represent, you, you, I mean, A pluses across the board here at the building. And, and, and let, me tell you, let me tell you why I have so much respect for your pastors. Um, Pastor John Pastor Kaya started this ministry right about the same time we started our church in Sacramento. Letty and I, Letty sends her love, by the way. Let, let, just, I, I don't mean to downplay. Letty lost her brother yesterday, but believe me, he's with the Lord now. 
we are so glad um, he's not suffering anymore and he's in eternity. But again, when we were first starting our church, Pastor John took the initiative to reach out to me. And when we first started had a, having our first couple of events at the church, Pastor John actually came, um, spent time with us. We ended up staying connected, connected. And over the years, myself and my staff, my family, we have watched you guys from afar. We've stayed connected, man. We are so proud of what you do. Um, we have so much appreciation for what you've done for the kingdom here in this area. And it, it's tough sledding in your area. It's tough sledding in your area. Um, and I have to tell you something that, that not all of you know. Um, planting a church from scratch is about the hardest thing a person could do. And I know a lot of people say, well, I've started a business. Planting a church from scratch is harder than starting a business because, A, it is starting a business. But then on top of that, there's the spiritual piece to it. Um, three out of every five church plants die within the first three years of planting. And the reasons for that are many, but, but there's also because there's so much fighting against you when you plant. When you plant, you're the pastor, you're the CEO, you're the janitor, you're the window washer, you're the admin, uh, you're, 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 the, you're the preacher, um, you're all of it. It's too much for one person to do. I can speak from experience. Um, neither one of us have what it takes. It's all a God thing. Um, in addition to that, there's the spiritual and the emotional and the physical burden that sits on your shoulders, and you carry that every day. No one else is carrying that except you. Financially, when you first start a church, you're on thin ice. You know, I don't know how many times we didn't pay me. I don't know how many times John and Kai didn't get paid. Um, and then, you know, you just have the naysayers. And there's a bunch of people out there saying, you can't do this, and there's already too many churches in Fairfield, and there's already too many churches in Sacramento. Then you got haters, and haters come both outside the church and inside the church. I mean, can, can we keep a gangster in here right now? There, there are pastors out there going, why, why are you the set tripping, basically, right? Why are you planting in my neighborhood? All that stuff is going on when you're planting a church. All that to say that your pastors, Pastor John, Pastor Kaya, your staff have shouldered that burden in a way that honors God, and very few people do that. Very few. Give, give them a big hand. John, John's a humble leader, too. That's very rare. How many of y'all know a lot of pastors? I'm going to talk bad about my community. It's my community, so I can talk bad. There's, there's not a lot of humble pastors. I'm just going to say, he's an unsung hero in the kingdom. He's to be honored for his work, his ministry, his life. Kaya, you are as well. Thank you for what you do. Um, I just, Raquel, could you come up here? I just want to, this, this is not, I just, this is a gift for the butchers, for them. If you could just give that to them. Um, and I want to pray for them and for Pastor John right now. Could, would you mind if we pray right now for them? Let's bow. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we love you, appreciate you, and adore you. And we're thankful um, just in this season where so much has gone wrong, and, and we're going to talk about that. Um, you, you have spared Pastor John, um, and we pray that you continue to put your healing hand on him. So yes, Lord, we're, we're thankful for the natural order and continue to work through the doctors and the nurses and give them wisdom and discernment about how to exactly treat John. 
But Lord, we know you work through the supernatural order too. And so Lord, would you infill him with your spirit? Would your healing spirit put his hand on every joint and tissue and cell, uh, every fiber of his being, Lord? And we pray, we pray that you would give him full recovery. And we pray, Lord, you put your hand on Kaya as well and the family as well and the entire church. Lord, wrap your loving arms around all of them. And the day, Lord, the day we know John is operating at 100% capacity, uh, we won't take a bit of the credit. We'll give you all the praise. We say this and pray this not by might or by strength, but through your spirit in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, amen. 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 Listen, again, um, so glad. At my church, based on Midtown, recently we went through a sermon series called Unstoppable. And today I thought it might be a good idea to look at Acts chapter 16. So if you have your Bible or your version, open up your Bible there. If you don't have a Bible or a version or an app, security is going to escort you out. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, we will have it on the screens for you. Um, I thought it would be good to look at because I want to lead us into having an unstoppable joy. I think all of us need that. Certainly, your church needs that, Pastor John and Pastor Kaya and their family. And in prepping for this message, I went back and looked at a previous message I had done on joy. Um, And this happened to be a message that I kind of remembered the beginning of it. It stuck with me. It was six years ago. I was preaching in, in 2014, reflecting on 2013. Let me read back to you part of the beginning because it's so ironic. I said at the beginning of that, 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 that sermon... Reflecting on 2013, I said, things are so bad, 42 states officially have a dangerous flu outbreak. Well, I'll be dang, all 50 of them got it now with COVID. I mean, the whole world has it now, right? It's a trip. And is it a trip, by the way, I don't want to break any HIPAA laws, but like, I don't know that I've had COVID. And so I don't know how many of y'all, don't raise your hands, but like, those of us who haven't had it, we want to diagnose, diagnose ourselves like after the fact. I'm going to, I, you know, I might have had it in Jan, I probably had it in January before all the testing started, you know, just misdiagnosing ourselves anyway. Um, I said, officially, we're in a drought in California. We need some rainfall seven years ago. I mean, now we're in a drought so bad, either everything is dried up or burnt up in California, right? I said seven years ago, our country is completely divided over health care. Now our country is completely divided over everything. We argue about having a mask on or not, right? 70 million customers at Target, remember this, were treated to credit card fraud. Remember that? And now about that number are are filing for unemployment in 2020. It's crazy. I, I said the Oakland Raiders are still really bad. And in 2020, things got so bad, they packed up and move on out of here, right? And add to all that, our pastor is going through what he's going through. I mean, 2020, 2013 is a walk in the park compared to 2020, amen? 2020 has been rough. And if you didn't know any better, you'd think that just about every single person in the country has lost any sense of joy at all, any sense of delight in their lives at all. And if you ask people how they're doing, almost anyone who's still hanging in there, if you ask them how they're doing, they'll, they'll give you some form of the answer, I'm doing well under the circumstances. Yeah. You'll get that a lot. Yeah. Well, as Christ followers, what are you doing under your circumstances? 
We, we should never be walking under our circumstances, never living under our circumstances. Because we're called to live above our circumstances, our joy shouldn't be predicated on our circumstances. If your joy is dictated by your circumstances, then you're living under them and rejoicing in the goodness of God will come erratically and sporadically, and that's not Christ following, y'all. That's not it. So there are, thank you for that one hand clap. So there are, there are three layers to unstoppable joy. We're going to see if we can extricate them out of the passage. Let's see if we can pull them out. Layer one in your outline, if you're keeping score, layer one is joy is an inside job. Joy is an inside job. Acts 16, 16 through 24. This is a lot of Bible I'm reading. Y'all good with that? Y'all said that so haphazardly and mildly. But there you go. That's what I'm talking about. Here we go. Acts 16, 16 through 24. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. Okay. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. Okay. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. So she right, huh? She's telling the truth. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, we know what they're about, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks, and stocks were like cuffs. And as we're about to read, Paul and Silas, in spite of all that, in spite of being beaten and flogged and put in jail, still full of joy, still full of delight in the Lord. And the thing that Paul and Silas knew that, that you and I need to understand in 2020 is that your joy is your responsibility. Oh, y'all, y'all ain't really feeling that right now, huh? My joy is on me. Don't put that off on nobody else. If you're a Christian and you're lacking joy in some way, in some form, you're being irresponsible. And I don't, I don't mean to minimize your pain right now because your pain is legitimate, thoroughly legitimate, but our joy is on us. And this is why in the Bible there's so much about not grumbling, so much in the Bible about not complaining. It's because grumbling and complaining reinforce your focus on your problem. And when you reinforce your problem, you are helping your problem. And your problem don't need no help. It's already a big problem, right? You don't need to be affirming your problem. Your problem is already self-assured. Your problem is already self-confident. What you need is some self-affirmation for you, right? You need some self-assurances. I need some self-assurances. You need to hear that yes, that internal yes, because we hear too much no in our life. Like, like the internal yes that says, yes, I can overcome this. Yes, yes I can get through this. 
Yes, I'm actually supposed to go through this because God is going to do something with this. And more than that, we need to hear God's yes for us. We need to hear God's yes to us. And we need to hear God's yes over us. And we need to give that same yes that we're getting and getting imputed into us. We need to give that away to other people. Your family needs to hear from you. Your friends need to hear from you. Your coworkers need to hear from you. As a matter of fact, let me give you some newlywed advice right now or some advice to you young married men who want the dynamics in your household to change a little bit. Um, just say yes to everything. <laughs> just say yes. Just say yes to everything. Even if it's borderline unaffordable, just, just say yes. Right? Say, say yes before she even finishes her sentence. Right? Yeah. Babe, can, babe, can you go? Yes. Ba ba babe, can you turn the TV? Yes. Babe, can you get? Uh, yes. Just get a stamp that says yes and stamp it on everything. Make your house run smooth, right? Joy is an inside job. Now, now next we're going to read about the fact that Paul and Silas make a decision in their mind not to reinforce the problem, but instead to celebrate God in spite of the problem. Layer two, joy is supported by the right company. Joy is actually helped, you, you maintain it with the right people around you. 25 through 28, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Midnight, in jail, after being flogged, singing. Okay, never mind. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Verse 28, but Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all still here. Paul and Silas, up at midnight, in jail after being beaten, flogged, still getting their worship on still singing at the top of their lungs. Because, because with a God-ordained friend or two, you can be in jail and still get your praise in, yeah? You, you can be swallowed up in a pandemic and still rejoice in the Lord. You, you, you can be living through a year like 2020 and still have some joy. You can even, the Bible says, walk through the valley of the shadow of death and still fear no evil. When we say joy is supported by the right company, we're talking about the fact that joy can be maintained with the help of, dare I say, some friends with benefits. Point at your neighbor and say, keep it biblical right there. Keep it biblical. Keep it scriptural. Yeah. See, there's nothing in the world, there's nothing in the world like a true God-ordained friend. Not, not some acquaintance that you drink with once in a while. Uh, not some friend that comes over every time you throw some meat on the barbecue. Not that friend, right? Not, 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 that, not that friend who, who shows up every time something they're going to gain is going to happen, right? I'm talking about that ride or die friend, that friend that has your back and you have their back. There's nothing in the world like a friend that knows the good, the bad, and the ugly about you, 
and still loves you. Amen. All by myself up here. There, there's, there's nothing like a friend who stands next to you in argument even though they know you're dead wrong. And the truth of the matter is everybody needs a good friend sometimes, right? Rich or poor, tall or short, male or female, Raider fan, 49er fan, everybody needs a friend. Just like the song says, right? Friends, how many of us have them? Friends, come on. Ones we can be depend on. Y'all ain't saved. <laughs> Kaya, Kaya, you haven't been saved long, Kaya, come on. <laughs> we all need to take something into account. Not everybody you meet is your friend. Every smiling face ain't your friend. Not everybody in your corner has your back. Not everyone who's standing by your side right now will stand by your side when the crowd gets hostile. Matter of fact, some of y'all got some people y'all need to get rid of. Oh, y'all don't want to go there, huh? Okay. Not everyone's your friend, and that's why we get such great joy out of those true, genuine, God-ordained friendships. And that's why it's so important that we nurture and care for those genuine friendships. Positive, productive relationships propel us into God's purpose. You might want to write that down. Positive, productive relationships propel us into God's purpose. And the two of you who are writing that down are going to be blessed. The rest of y'all I don't know about. But anyway... God has a way of assigning people to your life who help you be everything he designed you to be. And it's when we're being the things that God has called us to be that we can have a joy that surpasses all understanding. It's a combination of living above your circumstances and being on right assignment for God. That's how we get real joy. And the right company helps us get there. Now, I'll say this. Many times it's us who talks us out of being on a right assignment for God. It's not somebody else. It doesn't always take somebody else getting us off course. We can do that on our own. I'm of the belief that too many Christians, even pre-COVID, aren't really serving in the context of the local church the way God would have them serve because they know serving the local church is the next step to really finding out who they're called to be in Christ. And I think that most Christians are resistant to find their true call because deep down inside, they fear they're lacking something or missing something to serve in ministry. It happens all the time. Some folks are comfortable just living in their insecurity and not serving. We're Okay, Pastor John, me and you got this. We got this. We're, we're, we're so comfortable being hostage to our own insecurity not to serve. This actually goes all the way. We make excuses. This actually goes all the way back to Moses, if you'll remember. In Exodus 3, when, when God first asked Moses to go to Pharaoh and bring his people out of Egypt, what's the first thing Moses started doing? Start making excuses, right? Oh, God, you want me? Who, who, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh in Exodus 3? Just making it all about himself. Making it, making it all, he's all self-consumed and self-absorbed about it. Moses was like, God, 
you can't be calling me, poor little old me, to this assignment. I, God, I got a speech impediment. Matter of fact, I'm on my way to speech therapy class right now. God, you can't use me. God, and God, have you seen my credit? I'm working with creditrepair.com right now. You don't need me. I drove my car here. I got bad tags, God. You know I got bad tags. License is all suspended. I'm, I'm, I'm praying police don't pull me over on the way home today. And, and, and Lord, you know I got mental health issues a little bit, Lord. I got to eat at the right time and take my pills at the right time. And if I don't, I'm just liable to snap right now, Lord. You know that. Moses sounds just like us. I'll be talking to myself if it wasn't for my food and my pills, right? <laughs> and, and you know what God says to all those excuses? God says, you know what, Moses? This is what he said in Exodus 3. Certainly I will be with you. That's it. That's all you need. God says, Moses, I know you think you're unqualified and uncredentialed, but you with me. That's all you need because this ain't about you, Moses. I'm trying to take two million people out of Egypt into the promised land. This ain't about you. It's about my mission. And John knows this, and I know, I know Pastor Donald said this, but, but I'm the chaplain for the Sacramento Kings, and don't blame me for their poor record right now. But when, when the NBA season gets going, my schedule gets a lot crazier because I have to do chapel at the home games one hour before tip-off, before each home game, both teams come in for chapel. I have to be there an hour before that. I can't leave until tip-off, and sometimes I don't leave. You know, it's during the church season, so sometimes I'm going back and forth between church arena, back to church. But one thing the kings do for me, they do a couple things, parking spot, all that. But they give me this badge in this lanyard that gives me access to everything in the arena. Because if I didn't have that, not everybody knows me, and I'd get stopped all the time coming and going. But most nights I'm going back and forth, like I said, so I don't get stopped. I don't get held up. And I have access to everywhere in the arena. I can get through everywhere. Now, and I don't even know what it is about my badge, but even the assistant general manager, his name is Drake Yu, he says, man, you get into places I can't even get into. I'm like, I ain't mad. I, I. So I, I just, I be walking in everywhere. I, I abuse my badge, right? I'll be walking in some deep, dark room in, in the arena down under somewhere, and they'll be like, who knows, Lord knows what they're doing, testing nuclear material or whatever they're doing. I'll just walk into the room. Hey, guys. Some of them know me to, hey, Bob, how you doing? Hey, Pastor Bob. Some of them are Catholic. Hey, Father Bob, how are you? Peace be with you, brother. Peace be with you. But, but sometimes someone will be with me or someone, a guest or, or bring a guest chaplain. Like I'll bring Pastor John and he'll be the guest chaplain preaching to the guys before the game. And I'll be walking through the tunnels of the arena and we'll get to a point where the security and I'll forget about them, right? And I'll walk through, but security will stop them because they don't know who they are, right? Where do you think you're going, right? They're uncredentialed. And then I'll just real quick and real smooth, I'll be like, oh, yeah, he, he, he with me. He with me. And I'll keep going, you know? And they'll let him through, right? And just like to be honest with you, like it gets good to you sometimes, you know? And, and, and so I'll just, you know, you get a little more swag with it too. You know, you walk through, you just walk through them. Yeah, yeah, he, he, he's with me. He's with me. He's with me. And I'll even do it. Sometimes I get carried away with it. And it just, I'll be just doing it just to be nice to somebody. I don't even really know him that well. Yeah, he, he's with me. Let him through. And, and, and they'll let him through. Security will open the door up and let them through. Not because they're somebody. 
not because they got any credentials, not because they have any qualifications. They let him through just because he's with me, right? When God looked at Moses and Moses said, who am I? God said, Moses, you really ain't nobody, but you're with me. And because you're with me, you got all the credentials you need. You don't need no more qualifications. God says, Moses, I have everything you need. Matter of fact, God said, Moses, I am everything you need. I don't just have it. If you need light, I am the light. If you need direction, I am the way. If you need an opening, I am the door. If you need peace, I'm the prince of peace. If you need truth, Moses, you can't handle it. No, I'm just playing. I am the truth. I'm everything you need. Don't think you're underqualified. Don't forget the fact in 2020, you are with him. So going backwards, joy is an inside job. Joy is supported by the right company. And number three, joy is fueled, jet fueled by grace. Acts 16, 29 through 34. The jailer called for lights rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them, He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Yes, thank you, Lord. So the jailer sees Paul and Silas having worship night in jail, and he sees the earthquake hit, and it knocked down some walls and breaks some chains, and he sees that the prisoners that he's responsible for are missing, and he's so shocked and so distraught that he's about to take his own life When Paul shouts and says, don't do it, we're still here, Paul and Silas show the warden, the prison guard, some favor when they could have made a run for it. And the prison guard puts all this stuff together, and he goes, boom, I got it. I want what you got. Whoever's controlling all of this stuff, I want to be connected to him. And the thing that was jumping off and exploding all around in this passage is God's grace. God's grace was everywhere. The earthquake was a measure of God's grace because um, it allowed Paul and Silas to get free. Paul and Silas just being in jail was God's grace because they had the assignment of bringing the prison guard to Christ. Paul and Silas not running away to their freedom was grace because God still had the assignment for them to bring his family to Christ. The jailer sold Paul and Silas some grace by healing and tending to their wounds because when people uh, introduce people to Jesus Christ, they they just want to be gracious to them, right? Grace was abounding everywhere in this passage. Here's the thing that we miss about grace. Grace is critical, yes, to get up to heaven. It is by grace you've been saved, but grace is also critical to get heaven to come down here with you, amen? Grace, grace is something that when you live in it and operate in it, the kingdom of God just sort of, sort of follows you around. It just sort of hovers around you. The, the Bible says we are to grow in grace. 
It's like, it's like vegetables grow in soil. What soil is to vegetable, grace is to us. Grace is the key word for our salvation, but it's also the key environment for our joy. So, so we need to just live in it. We, we need to marinate in it. We need to suntan in it. We, we need to shower in it. We need to bathe in it. And if we're using the analogy, we need to bathe in God's grace. One of the things that fills up the bathtub the fastest is gratitude. That, that turns it on like a fire hose. Every time you and I are prone to worry, every time you and I are filled with discouragement, you need to pray a prayer of thanksgiving. Now, why is that? Because when I have a problem, honestly, if I'm being real, thanksgiving is not the first instinct. But, but listen to this. When Jesus fed 5,000, what scholars think is more like 20,000 women and children, they had two fish and five barley loaves. Just before he did it, he prayed a prayer of thanksgiving. You can look it up. He actually prayed a prayer of thanksgiving over the insufficiency. There's 20,000 people. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for this two-piece fish and chip meal with Diet Coke for these 20,000 people. In Daniel chapter 6, Daniel's being thrown to the lion's den by his co-workers. He had a major problem. The Bible says he went home. And just before that day to get thrown in, he prayed a prayer, kneeled down and prayed a prayer of thanks. In our passage today, Paul and Silas have been beaten and thrown in jail. And at midnight, they're singing songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. Some of the Bible's greatest miracles worked through some of the greatest people in the Bible were preceded by prayers of thanksgiving. Remember Paul's words from another book in, uh, in Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. If you rejoice and if you pray in thanksgiving, you will know that God heard your prayer. And you will know that he heard your prayer, not because the problem was necessarily resolved. You will know he heard your prayer because of the peace that comes over you. Your job and my job is to continue to pray in our battles, pray in our trials, in our sufferings, in our afflictions, in our hurts, in our wounds, and to continue to give God thanks and praise not until the problem is gone because the stock market might keep dropping. The, the vaccine might not be ready by March of 2021. The mandates might 2021. Some of the people in our country might not ever understand that racism continues at a high level in our country. Some people might not ever concede that systemic racism exists. The election might not go our way. But you and I need to keep praying and thanking God, not until all those changes come, but until the peace comes over our hearts and minds. We pray until the peace in our hearts is a peace that surpasses all human comprehension, and that's when the joy of the Lord can't be stopped. In, in, in closing, I want to say this. 
We can't let our circumstances determine how we feel about God in 2020 and 2021. Amen? We have to continually look at our life through the lens of eternity and let God's word explain to us what's really going on long term. Amen? And let God's promises dictate what we should really expect. So, so for all of us, for all of us today, and this is for the people that are not even here, I wish they could hear this. The first question is this. Can God take our darkest circumstances of 2020 and use them for a greater purpose? Can he do that? He's a God who can, and he's a God who already has. He took the worst circumstance in the history of the world, people killing his son. He took absolute tragedy and turned it into victory for all. Amen? And the second question is this. Will you allow him to make sense out of your darkness and out of your pain and out of your affliction in 2020 and 2021? And if you say yes to those two questions, then God can not only use your circumstances to do incredible things, he can use you to do those things. And whoever says yes to those two questions can rejoice in God's goodness in spite of the fact and in light of anything they face in this year and next year. It doesn't mean that you you need to give up some of the positions you're taking it doesn't need, you mean to need to stop vocalizing what you're fighting for or I'm fighting for, but joy is something that you and I make a decision to go after. Yeah. It's something we cultivate. It's something we nurture, and it's something we hold on to even when the storm gets bad. And so even I think about Pastor John right now. I go, you know what? Maybe, 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 maybe Pastor John doesn't feel like he's getting to the place he wants to. He doesn't feel like he's getting to 100% fast enough. We all want that for him, but we can't let that make us lose our joy. <clears throat> God's going to do something with it. And he's already done. From what I hear, he's already put a hand of miracle and mercy on Pastor John from where he was. We need to rejoice in that. All of us that are fighting for change in our communities and everything. You know, when we're preaching, Pastor John's preaching, I'm preaching. We rail against some sins sometimes. We rail against the sin of racism. And sometimes when you're in a diverse crowd, some some people get up and walk out. Well, me and Pastor John say to them, you know, that's why we... That's why we take the offering before we preach. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. We can't let that get us discouraged. We keep going for the Lord. Amen. Nurture it and cultivate. Let me pray for you guys. Let's bow in reverence. Dear Heavenly Father, such a blessing to be here. I have been so encouraged, not only with the body of believers here, but just to see John and Kaya and see John where he's at now and from whence he came, I, I, am, I am joy-filled beyond imagine. My prayer for everyone who has committed their life to you and who has begun following you is that they would understand that while we are in this world, we are not of this world. 
And we always have that to celebrate. We always have the fact that we actually have another address, another home to celebrate and rejoice. And we are only visiting this place. We have eternal residence outside of time and outside of space. So Lord, help every single one of us make a decision to start to live like that through anything here. Too many people walking around miserable right now. And, and, and blessed, too many Christians walking around miserable right now. That should not be. And Lord, again, we lift up Pastor John. We lift up Pastor Kaya. Continue to put your healing hand on them, Lord. We're thankful for you. We're grateful for you. And yet we still are expectant for you. And we say all this in prayer, all this, not by might or by strength, but through your spirit. In Jesus' glorious name all of God's people said, amen, amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for having me. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.